It's December 18th, 2013, and one more week before Christmas. And, of course, welcome to another edition of Bite Marsh Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we will be your geeks in residence for the next hour. First, we'll look at a few tech stories of note here in the islands, and we'll be bringing you two news guests. First up will be web developer Marco Marowick to tell you about the upcoming Learn to Code program. And then we have Mark and Tiffany Quesada, and they're here to tell us about their gift shopping app called MindIt. Finally, we will hear from LiveSift and Ridify about their startup businesses and the Blue Startups experience. We'd, of course, love your questions and thoughts ready to call in or tweet, but first, the headlines. Well, plans to build the 30-meter telescope atop Mauna Kea are inching forward. Last week brought separate developments on the Big Island related to the $1 billion project. Big Island now reported on Friday that the state has postponed the decision on new long-term leases at the summit. The same day, oral arguments were heard in a Hilo courtroom on the challenge by several community groups over approvals granted to the project by the state in 2011 and this past April. On the lease issue, the Board of Land and Natural Resources heard strong testimony in opposition to a request from the university to issue new leases for the 11,000-acre Mauna Kea Science Reserve at its last meeting. The first of the current leases are set to expire in 2033. At last week's meeting, the university asked asked the board to defer its decision, saying that they would like to prepare an environmental impact statement for their request. While no timetable was set for the EIS, UH is still pressing for new leases that can reflect new rules and laws set for the area, as well as an updated master plan. In Hilo, Circuit Court uh, Judge Greg Nakamura Uh, presided over the oral arguments in a lawsuit filed in April by a coalition of environmental and native Hawaiian groups. The suit alleges that last year's land board approval and its subsequent validation this last April was improper. The plaintiff said that the approval was granted after a contested case hearing was requested. The lawsuit also alleges that the environment and native Hawaiian practices would be adversely impacted and that the rent the university charges its 13 observatory tenants is too low. Now, you know, this is a huge telescope. We've been reporting about the uh, 30-meter telescope for a while now. And, you know, one of the things is that there's an 18-story building that they're going to build mm-hmm. on top of the uh, summit. And part of the, I think, the, uh, the validation of their complaint was that, you know, there have been some damages as a result of some of the ob- other observatories. Right, right. And those damages were sort of cited as saying, well, they've already been done, so it doesn't really matter when the new telescope goes up there. So, I mean, certainly it's a case we're going to continue to follow. Of course, uh, we're astronomy buffs and we're watching developments worldwide. What I thought was also interesting in the last couple of weeks, there's been progress made on the giant Magellan telescope. This is a 24-meter telescope, and they announced that three of the seven mirrors for it are done. They're still moving toward a 2020 first light, and that means that that's going to be go live basically before the 30-meter telescope. And now it's basically a race between the 30-meter telescope and the European Extremely Large Telescope, which is Mm -hmm. a 40-meter telescope Mm -hmm. going up in Chile. So uh, just basically the scale of these projects is very impressive, um, but certainly something that uh, it sounds like the courts are going to be very careful about. Well, and I think the opponents are really looking for some kind of plan by the university in in, in terms of environmental impact statements, as well as what are... What are the plans for the older telescopes that exist on the summit, and what are they going to do with all of that? Right. Absolutely.
The University of Hawaii last week dedicated its new Information Technology Center. It's a $42 million, 74,000-square-foot facility that will support critical IT and communications infrastructure for both the university's statewide network of campuses and the state government. The six-story, energy-efficient building includes full battery and generator backup power and a dedicated emergency situation room that will be able to house UH administrators and key personnel, keeping them powered up and connected in times of crisis. UH houses both its own IT equipment as well as critical infrastructure for the Hawaii state government, including state civil defense. Prior to the construction of the IT center, the university's IT operations were scattered among eight different buildings. And last week's dedication comes nearly a decade after the 2004 Manoa floods, which caused extensive damage to dozens of buildings on the flagship campus. Uh, Floodwaters came within yards of the university's main data center on the ground floor of the 50-year-old classroom building, a vulnerability cited in a critical state audit in 2005. Now the entire second floor of the building is an 8,000-square-foot disaster-hardened data center. UH Interim President and former Chief Information Officer David Lassner said in a statement that it's a vital investment in the future of the university and the state of Hawaii. UH officials say the new IT center will also support 21st century education initiatives, from providing networks and servers that support statewide distance and online learning, to hosting training facilities and the Digital Media Center, where faculty will learn to develop engaging digital content. Well, you know, if you saw the old uh, IT building, it was maybe one step above portables. Right, right. And so I think it's uh, long overdue that a new building gets built. Uh, 8,000 square feet, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful building. And of course... You know, the, the, the UH folks are the ones that are managing this, this uh, gigabit network that connects all the campuses as well as a lot of the, uh, the state government buildings. So that, that whole network operating system is going to, a network operating center is going to be housed in that IT building. And it is an impressive accomplishment. I think we covered the groundbreaking for it in February of, of last year. So for a facility this large, I think that uh, they deserve kudos also for finishing it so quickly. They say that they're going to get silver lead certification because it's energy efficient. They say that that data center on the second floor is Category 3 hurricane hardened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a little more resilient, I would imagine, than the old (laughs) uh, portable-like building. But they've still got plans. I mean, it's not completely built out to what they want it to be. Uh, There's going to be a high-performance computing cluster Mm -hmm. they want to to house there. And although they're talking about multimedia now, their objective is to make all of the video 4K, which is the next sort of like the ultra-high-definition video standard. Right. And, you know, they've been always doing work with the the Maui supercomputer, but Mm -hmm. now they can house their own sort of parallel, big parallel processor inside that new building and hopefully above ground as opposed to underground. Yep, and they've got great photos on Flickr if you want to check out the facility. Finally, a couple of quick uh, uh, items we wanted to share with you on the tech calendar. The annual HTDC Holiday Science and Tech Fair takes place on Friday. That's December 27th at the Japanese Culture Center. The event runs from 5 to 7 p.m. with networking from 6 to 8 p.m. The SciTech Fair features local tech companies and an opportunity to speak directly to companies looking to hire. We won't be able to have a show next week, which is when we would normally have them on to talk about this event. But the SciTech Fair is a significant, I think, um, investment by the by the HTDC to try and bring our talent home. So definitely check that out. Uh, just Google HTDC and uh, participate there. Now joining us here in the studio is Marco Morawek from Pacific New Media, and he's here to tell us about the Firehose Learn to Code Workshop. Welcome to the show, Marco. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So the uh, this Learn to Code, there's a lot of programs going on now to maybe get people up to speed to mm-hmm. uh, develop an application over the weekend. What is your program really kind of geared toward? 
So our program is like taking non-technical people who haven't written a single line of code and teaching them how to build a fully functional web application in a single weekend. And we're using the same technologies that the best startups in the country are using and showing people how to use them, how to apply them, and then launch as fast as possible. Now, you know, I know that, uh, you know, being a coder is probably not something that you could just pick up over the weekend. I mean, what are some of the things that you might be focusing in on and and how do you optimize the amount of time that you're given, which is really kind of short? And people have gone you know, years of, of honing their programming skills. How do you try to accomplish in this short amount of time, you know, the things that you guys want to accomplish? Yeah, we use all the tools. Like, we use, like, Twitter Bootstrap. It's a powerful front-end, like, web design framework. Mm-hmm. We use Ruby on Rails, which is really good for web development. We use, like, GitHub for version control and Heroku. It's all, like, technical things that startups are using to launch their features, new features, their MVPs, their minimal viable product within like hours or days. And we do that the same. We usually have people up with their first um, application live online in four hours, Mm -hmm. and then we build on top of that. Should they come equipped with an idea? Um, No, we all teaching them, we all building the same application to keep the class concise. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, usually people take those code snippets, take the application and build their own uh, idea on top of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've seen in the past. I would imagine that now that you have uh, access to all of these really well-built-out tools and frameworks that people can use, it's going to be more than just Hello World. Oh, yeah. It's it's like usually we try not to tell our students what they're going to build. We don't show that. And the reason being is if you have a startup idea, if you want to build something, there's not a finished product out there. Mm -hmm. You start from scratch. So we usually start with what we call wireframing. On the whiteboard, we're drawing what we're going to build, and then we change that into code. Now, this is called a fire hose event. Now, when I think of that, I think of basically the huge volumes of data that perhaps come through a platform like Twitter. Yep. Um, so what does the fire hose part, what, is that, what part does that play in this event? So the, the name comes from drink from the fire hose, and that started at MIT. So drink from mm-hmm. the fire hose, a lot of knowledge, we're condensing about four to five weeks of self-taught knowledge into a single weekend. So you're really drinking from the fire hose, and you're getting a lot of knowledge out of a single weekend. And then, I mean, um, yeah, that's pretty much it, that condensing of the material. So you're taking this across the country, right? I mean, you guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're actually originally from Boston, yeah, so really originally I'm from Germany, but right now okay. I'm in Boston. I uh-huh. lived in Hawaii for the last um, six years or so. And right now we ran workshops, a uh, couple in Boston, one in New York, one at Harvard Business School. We're going to, we were in Pittsburgh. We're going to go to Philadelphia. Yeah, so now we have one coming up in Hawaii in January 4th and 5th. How, so. did, you, uh, how did you hook up with Pacific New Media? Um, I know I went to a few of, her, of Susan's workshops and I really mm-hmm. liked it. So mm-hmm. I just called her up and be like, hey, you know, I've done a bunch of Google Analytics workshops here in the islands too. So... You want to do something like that. We've doing this all over the place, and she was game. And I'm really glad and grateful that she gave me that opportunity. Cool. What um what do people need to come equipped with? I mean, can what level of skill do they have to at so, least be at to participate in this? You don't have to have any skill. So people usually ask me on Saturday morning, what's HTML? And we're going to go over that. If you feel insecure, we send you a few quizzes and training material beforehand, and you can practice that to get a little bit more com- familiar, maybe with HTML, CSS, those like computer techie stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, people usually ramp it up really quickly. So uh, this uh, weekend, I mean, when does it run, and how how much how can someone participate? So participation is like, I mean, you can go to firehoseweekend.com. You can um, look for the Hawaii event there and then um, sign up for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, send me any questions at marco at firehoseweekend.com. I'm happy to help you guys out. And we'll post it up on the uh, show notes yep. Show notes as awesome. well. So we got a couple of weeks before uh, it actually kicks off. Yep, that's January 3rd through the 5th. Uh, yep. so. And Pacific New Media. So you can also search for it there. 
Thanks, Marco. We've got a couple of another uh, couple of guests here in the studio. We got Mark and Tiffany Quesada, and he, they're here to tell us about Minded. Welcome to the show, Mark and Tiffany. Great to Thank be here. Thank you so much for having us. So you are part of the esteemed uh, first cohort of the uh, Blue Startups, and uh, you launched the uh, your Minded app uh, real recently. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. So Minded creates an intelligence behind gift giving. We match people to products based on social graph data that we infer and explicit user input so that we can match them to hand-curated products from Amazon. Right now, Amazon is uh, our main source of products, but we expand in the future. So, you know, the question that I always have every single year is, what am I going to get my wife? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so what is it that your application can help me with uh, in terms of intelligently, because I totally lack that, you know, in picking out a, uh, you know, a good gift for my wife. Well, what we try to do when you get on the site is we, um, we try to help you by asking you questions about your wife or your loved one. Um, sometimes it's your friend or, you know, family member. Uh, we ask, what do they like? You know, what kind of uh, activities do they do? In the future, we're going to be doing things like, you know, drink preferences. Some people love coffee. Some people love tea. And we try to take that and uh, really distill it down to a user profile. And then we help you match that user profile to gifts in our curated gift database. So, of course, this is a very important time for gift giving. You just yes. launched uh, in the first week of November, I think. Uh, have you been able, because of there's the manual curation process, that you are actually putting some thought into some of these recommendations that are going to come up in the app, what kind of feedback have you received from your earliest users? It's been really positive, actually. We're, <laughs> we're kind of surprised. I mean, it, we're a two-person team right now, so... Uh, everything takes a while, you know, but Tiff has been doing an amazing job at curating the gifts. Mm -hmm. I had, so. Yes, I curate every single one of those gifts on there is is everything that um, I have filtered through. It has been uh, really amazing to hear people's reaction to the gifts themselves. They're unique. They're things you've never seen before, and you really don't see them in stores. Now, can you share some? I mean, certainly this is part of the secret recipe, but, I mean, what are some of the, the categories or the verticals? I mean, when you're, when you're collecting information and, you're, and I say, okay, I'm going to start the app. I need something for my boss. Right. Uh, is that like a category, like coworker? Is can, it female, can, male? I mean, what are you right? So we, on? you know, we take the basic stuff like age and gender, um, but we also do take into account relationship types. So we have specific products that are only really relevant for certain types of relationships. So you know, a boss or a coworker, you wouldn't give them a heart shaped mug, for example. Um, so you want to make sure it's relevant, and so we try to really do a lot of that work up front as we curate product. We distill them down into buckets. And as you add people, we also use those people to match to specific buckets. And do people provide feedback in the app that helps maybe hone the selection process? Like, that was great, or I really like this one? We've been doing uh, more like one-on-one -on -one user testing mm -hmm. to see what people's reactions are. And uh, we find that to be the best, the quickest way to get great answers from, from our user base. So is the intelligence behind how you go about curating Tiffany? You're sort of deciding what it is that's appropriate for the gift matching? Absolutely. You know, they, they call me Minded's Bradford, but um, <laughs> that has been a big compliment. Uh, so, so far, it's been really looking at what's out there in the, um, on the Internet and in stores and trying to find things that are really unique and um, that our four stars or higher is really important on Amazon. We don't want someone finding a great product and it's only rated two stars. That's a big letdown. Now, I, uh, you know, I have no doubt of your ability to curate the proper gifts, but how do you scale that? What if you're now looking at a million people that are on uh, uh, Minded and, and you know, they're all looking for that perfect gift and 
you, you're probably going to get spread a little thin. Well, you look at a great company like Fab, for example. They only have 10,000 unique SKUs. You know, we have 1,300 with just the two of us, and we're a month and a half old. Mm-hmm. I don't think that scale in terms of product size and quantity will be a, a factor for mm-hmm. us. But we and do have – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, we do have plans in the future to allow people to curate their own stuff, right? So as you come on the site, you can say, hey, I found this really great thing. It's highly rated. I want to add that to Minded. So we have we have that in the works where you can kind of add or suggest your own products. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was about to say, I mean, it does sound like a, a daunting task. But on the other hand, I think there was some great feedback. Bert and I also do kind of geeky things on Hawaii News Now, and we were kind of – we were asked to suggest some of our picks, and I think that that kind of fed into uh, your picking up things that would be good in the in the app. Yeah, that's a great example. So I saw your your little segment on Hawaii News Now, and I'm like, wow, these are great for our techie you know gift givers. So we put those on the site. They were already products on Amazon. So it was a great way. We kind of take products from all different sources and try to put them into Minded. Now, uh, as as the uh, graduates of uh, uh, Blue Startups, in fact, we have a couple of Blue Startup companies coming in uh, after the uh, news segment. Uh, what is it that um, you have, let's say, as a milestone met as a result after graduating? Well, we launched. That's okay. Good. Well, no, <laughs> that's, that's, good. that's good. No, we, we actually, that's a good question because uh, I think for us, we started out day one of the program. We were, that was day one of the business for us. So mm-hmm. we had, mm-hmm. you know, been doing other things before that. And Blue Startups really gave us the chance to, to take this and run with it. So we started and we did a lot of business development, but we didn't actually start building much product until after the program. So that was a big milestone for us to finish the product, get it out before Christmas, and then you know have people use it. Now, I would imagine a lot of people are curious when you talk about startups. A lot of people say, well, startups are excellent at losing money, <laughs> right? And here you're, you're running this yourself and trying to right. make it a reality, not even at the point where you are seeking uh, an investor. But uh, how does Minded run? What is the current business model? I would imagine it has something to do with Amazon. We're very lean, first of all. <laughs> the best way to make money is not to lose it, I guess. But Tiff can talk more. So we earn affiliate commissions on each gift sold, ranging from 4.5 to 8%, per- and just depending on the number of transactions per month, closer to 6 or 7%. But that will change when we change our wholesale network and change the fulfillment of the product side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can add more vendors later. So where can people sign up and get their gifts curated? I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> Giftminded.com. And by the way, today is the last day to order to Ooh. get it before Christmas. So Bert, you get better that app. With free shipping. You can still order later, but you'll pay a lot more. Yeah, right, right. Okay, I better hurry up and get on there, Bert. Yeah, get the show done. Well, we want to thank uh, Marco and Mark and Tiffany for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. That was awesome, guys. Thanks. It was great. Thank you very much. And that's what's been happening in this week in uh, news and tech news and everything uh, uh, related to that. Uh, We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Alex Burgo and Luke Tucker to talk about their startups and the blue startup experience. How do companies benefit from participating in the program? What's next for these local firms? We'd, of course, love your thoughts, questions, or perhaps even your own startup experiences as part of the conversation, so please don't hesitate to give us a call. You can join us live on the air by calling 941-3689. You can reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And, of course, we are monitoring. Twitter, so you can tweet us your questions at Bite Marks or at Hawaii. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Sherry Ruth Anderson, author of Ripening Time. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about Inside Stories for Aging with Grace. 
Sunday morning at 11. Brazilian guitar virtuoso Carlos Barbosa Lima returns to the Atherton studio Saturday, December 28th at 7.30 p.m. for a solo recital. Selections will range from Latin American to American standards and pop. Tickets at 955-8821 during business hours or online at hprtickets.org. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today is Alex Burgo and Luke Tucker. Alex is part of the second Blue Startups cohort and co-founder of Live Sif. Meanwhile, Luke is also part of that second Blue Startups cohort. He is CEO of Ritify. And what is it that uh, got Blue Startups attracted to your companies? I want to find that out. We'd love to hear your Questions and comments as well, too. And that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or one 941 from the neighbor islands. Alex and Luke, we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank right. you so much for having us. Aloha. Thank you. Now, you know, the uh, Blue Startups has gone through the second cohort. And, and you know, it's, it's quite impressive. I, I, I like the companies that have come out of it. And I want to give you folks the, um, both an opportunity to first off, maybe tell us a little bit about what your business is, and we'll we'll start to we'll talk a little bit about uh, what that experience was going through Blue Startups. Uh, Alex, we'll, we'll start with you. Okay, so um, my business or our business uh, is LiveSift.com. We make meetings more productive and more meaningful. So we have meetings, collaborative events uh, of any size, mm-hmm. and we engage people. By uh, by using the devices they already bring into the room, mm-hmm. and so we we have seen meetings they they lose time and a lot of bad I- or good ideas are lost in bad meetings, mm-hmm. and so what we are trying to do is to create an environment where it's more collaborative where everybody can participate where where meetings are kept on time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Luke your your business kind of started. Interestingly, because it was kind of a what what did Hank call it? Is like a wild card. What, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Sure. Yeah. So I think this might have been a first for any accelerator type of startup program around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Startups is part of a, a large global accelerator network, and um, we had a call I think early on with the guy, and he was like, "Wow, I've never heard of that before." So what is that? Well. Um, this cohort, they had um, they meaning the Blue Startups team and Hank, obviously. Um, and we're talking about Hank Rogers. Hank right? Rogers from Tetris fame, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so he's obviously a driving force behind Blue Startups, uh, lead investor. It's, um, you know, uh, he's we're in his office space. We're in his home essentially, <laughs> uh, down in the Skybox uh, in downtown Honolulu. And so he's like, well, I got a bunch of ideas. I'd love to be able to see them become a reality. What if I could find an all-star team to do that and get them through an accelerator program, which I happen to have? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and so kind of they are like, well, let's, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. So yeah. rather than you having a business idea and really wanting to make it a reality, uh, he saw you as talent and as resources to which he could apply, uh, he could apply them to his idea. So it's, it, was, uh, it was sort of generated within uh, Hank's brain, and he found the right people to make it their startup. Well, yeah, I I think in in a nutshell that kind of describes it, right? With um, yeah, I think everybody has ideas, and Hank's in a position that hey, let's I, I I'm can be your lead mentor. I get to work directly with you and kind of get to see an idea come to fruition. So, what is it that Ritify does? What's that 
brilliant idea. Yes. Um, well, it's real, uh, real simple in nature. You know, Hank, as we sit in his office on day one of the program, and he's telling us uh, kind of about the idea. The way he described it, he's like, you know, I was sitting on my iPad going through all these old photos with some of my aunties and my family. And they're telling all these amazing stories. But I wasn't capturing it. I was losing that. I couldn't remember it. There was no way to actually retain that. So essentially, he was like, well, what if you could just uh, turn the microphone on and have it be recorded and stored with the photo? Wouldn't that be great? So on a basic premise, we went out to build that uh, simple product and try and build a business around it. So we can talk more about what Ritify kind of has become and what we see down the road. But at its core, you know, I think part of the beauty is its simplicity. It's a photo viewer that tags audio with the photo. Mm-hmm. So you can capture some of these stories and memories. So this really important demographic that we see of those family members that you want to preserve and this oral history and uh, the stories of your ancestors that otherwise would be lost. And st- photos are a great way to tell that story. They really elicit that emotion. And you can sit down in a very simple lean back activity on mm-hmm. an iPad. Mm-hmm. And instead of having to put in a camera in someone's face, you can say, hey, Graham, tell me about this story. Where were you? Maybe it was their first car, or their first home, you know, how do you pass on that legacy from generation to generation? So that's kind of what we're about. Oh, that's cool. Now, it wasn't for you something that was like out of the blue, right? I mean, there was a connection between what was now, what is what now Ritify and what you were prior doing, I guess, with uh, Blue Photos. Was there a connection there? Oh, uh, yeah. So Blue Photo Stories, Inc. is actually the name of our company, and Ritify is our first product. Mm-hmm. So those two are one and the same. Uh, it's just kind of what we're pushing from the uh, from the product side for R-I-T-I-F-Y, which really actually means memory in Sanskrit. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So from, I guess, um, just to clarify on the question, our team has really diverse backgrounds. We came together, you know, actually within the program pretty soon before the program, within a month. Um, Mark Quesada, who was on here before, mm-hmm. his brother is a co-founder mm-hmm. in, in our team as Mario, well. Mario, right? Mario. Right. Uh, so Mark, kind of Mark, Mario, and I have been friends for a long time, and he's like, "You guys should, you should try something. You should do it." And this is wild card opportunity. And so, just kind of with the community and with people knowing each other, you know, they were like, "Well, let's." He introduced us to our technical development co-founder, mm-hmm. and uh, through the application process, we met our other co-founder, Tarek Sultan from Sultan Ventures. Okay, all right. Okay. And we've also recently, I had think, him yeah, on the yeah, show we had as well. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Now, well, I think part of Bert's question is, I, I, maybe this is something that Hank has in his head that the story idea of photos and stories and managing them better because he there was uh, some some many years ago, uh, I think in the same office at least, the I Love Photos product and all right, products. right, so right, right. I can see that. Um, now, uh, Alex, so you kind of articulated what uh, problem you wanted to solve with your startup, but of course, like you said, there's a global network of startup uh, accelerators. There are many programs available to you. What was it that seemed to you to be a good match? Uh, to work with Blue Startup specifically? Why did you say, this is something I want to go after? Well, uh, we, we went to the first pitch uh, demo day from the first cohort and looked at what, what they brought out. And, and we understand like there's so many good ideas around. But to make it a product, that's where the difference becomes uh, a reality in a way. So, mm-hmm. so people go around with all these ideas. And how do you make it a product, a company, something that you can sell? We're looking at how they, uh, the pitches were from the co- first cohort, we, we, we could see easily what kind of mentorship what kind of coaching they would have to have received because not not everybody's a business person at heart or come in to the program as a business person um me and my co-founders are all out of uh, uh and so we are kind of used to sitting in the closet and coding and 
uh, doing our own thing. Uh, this is sort of trying for us to get out there in the world, get our product to market before we feel it's even ready, you know? So you you kind of had it in mind to scope it out first. So you, you, you did go to the uh, the demo day of the first cohort. You kind of probably took a whole lot of notes. I mean, you, you had it in your mind that you weren't going to go down this necessarily this path of, of just being an academician and you wanted to try the entrepreneurial side of things. So it was it was a planned kind of effort, right? And so you, you you went to the first cohort, you saw the demo day, you took some notes, and then uh, what you got your you got your team together and then you pitched. Right, yeah. So uh, in terms of timing also, I was both me and my wife, co-founder of E-Lead, were finishing our dissertations at uh, UH and Aaron Rosa, he's still doing his dissertation, but we all sort of out of UH, we did look at the timing as an issue. We couldn't have made it for the first cohort, then there would be no PhD for me. Uh, um, so that was part of it. Uh, and also just making sure that we could learn, I, I don't know, learn the ropes in mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. And so the value for us is really all the mentorship that we get in making us business people instead of just uh, somebody who does something. We're talking to Alex Burgo of LiveSift and Luke Tucker of Ritify about their experiences with the Blue Startups Accelerator Program. And certainly when it comes to ideas, what's important is the execution. And we would l- welcome your questions as to how this process works. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. Of course, we'll also listen for you on Twitter. Now, Luke, uh, maybe I want to turn that question around for you because, of course, you had all, a lot of connections and interactions and friendships, so it seemed like a natural to go for the Blue Startups uh, program. But what do you think, uh, in addition to uh, his having the idea that he really felt that you specifically and the other members of the team were the right ones to make this happen? I mean, what do you think was your uh, secret sauce? Oh, um, that's, that's a good question, Ryan. I, I, I think I'd, I'd well, like apart to Apart from your Hank's dashingly response. good looks. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> yes, I, I go straight to that, okay. actually. Yeah. Uh, you know the collective uh, handsomeness of of my co-founders. Um, I, you know, I, I could only surmise really what kind of you know we were approved just to kind of. Hank was obviously a big part of that decision, but the Blue Startups uh, Screening Committee. We went through the same kind of interview process as everybody else, and um, the actual uh, story goes: we actually applied as with a different idea as a team. Oh, okay. And okay, then they okay. they kind of we went through that process and they said, hey, we we really like your team. In fact, we like you so much, this is an opportunity we'd like to present to you. The idea was an ideation. We hadn't built product. We hadn't done a lot of the customer mm-hmm. development type of things. But um, they, they looked at maybe it's not the right fit for the program, but we think this team could do exceptionally well, and here's this opportunity. Hank's your lead mentor. You get to be in the unique position that on day one of the program, Hank's going to pitch you three different ideas, and you get to choose what you want to try and build you know, and go through the program over the next three months try and build a business. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. So um, in, in a way, the approach was almost traditional. Like, I've got this great idea for a dog washing app. Yeah. Um, he looked at the, the the talent and he looked at the idea and he said, you know what? The talent is really what I'm after. It's almost like a preemptive hire, you know, that the people is what I want, specifically not necessarily a business. That's yeah. Nice. And that kind of leads in, you mentioned the execution play, right? You know, the, the idea is you can hear an idea. Oh, that sounds simple. But really, the any secret sauce is you know we have to prove that over time, and so I think that's what kind of blue startups prepares companies for. They give this not only access to a mentor network. There's a proven model that they, you know, if you're like the TechStars guys out of Colorado, is the Global Accelerator Network, and 
you have this, you know, uh, how they split up the program is modeled after this. So it's proven with the caliber of individuals backing it, such as Hank Rogers. You know, it's uh, it's a great experience. You know, I'm kind of curious about uh, the, you know, the, the formation of the team and sort of that gestation period because, mm. you know, with an accelerator, and I want maybe both of you to chime in on this, but, you know, Luke, you know, with the, with the accelerator, you're, you have a process, you know, a mentorship process that is there. So there's an incentive to pull that team together. So I would imagine that the gestation period for the formation of the company is short because you want to take advantage of this opportunity right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then in if it wasn't for the accelerator, would that gestation period be much longer? And, you know, and, and Alex, your side of the question would be, you know, would you guys have actually formed this team if it hadn't been for the accelerator? So, Luke, I want to give you the chance to, to chime in a little bit about, you know, how quickly was it that you brought this team together uh, just to meet sort of the accelerator? Right. I think that's a great, great point, Bert. And that's when I have, you know, conversations I have with other people about why Blue Startups, I think, is a great experience. Without it, we would not have pursued probably, uh, a, it would be in a much different scenario. Right, it really kind of catalyzes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a major catalyst for ramping you up for uh, for knowledge, for connections, for you know. We just finished last week the uh, Capstone Week where we had a demo day, obviously here on December fourth, and then we flew to San Francisco and had another demo day in front of you know investors at five hundred startups, and um, so that that experience we would not have been able to get outside of the the program at all in terms of the team gelling together. Yeah, you're definitely it's trial by fire. You get put in this and, all right, here's this lean kind of startup approach methodology. There's this lean business model canvas. There's, okay, you got to do customer development and, and okay, we got to do this focus group. So from that, then you transition to every every week we do pitch practice. Mm-hmm. And then it's a lot of about honing your message. But then the product changes and it's hard to build product because you're focusing on this business side. So we were fortunate to have a bigger team. So our developer, you know, could hunker down and, and I, I applaud him, you know, dozens, of, you know, of ways that I could. <laughs> and uh, he's done an exceptional job. So I think um, from how we were collectively able to come together, it's rare that you have that kind of synergy with the team. Uh, so that's actually one of the best experiences that I can come out of it mm-hmm, that wouldn't mm-hmm. have it. You know, the best word I can think of for blue startups is a catalyst that way. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Alex, uh would you have formed this team had it not been for an accelerator to, you know, sort of put the team through? Yes. And then when I say team, you guys are now an actual company, right? So yes. you have to really function as a company. Yeah, we are co-founders. We would we were a team long time before Blue Startups. Okay. We we didn't start building the product until Blue Startups, but uh, we had we had different ideas that we were working with, and we were evaluating different accelerators because we we found. We, we thought that would be a better way to actually accelerate our process mm-hmm. and it would give us the skills that we didn't have inside our team uh, in terms of the mentorships. So we were definitely, I think we formed as a team maybe six or eight months before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, part of the, um, you described the process that you've gone through and there was a demo day here in Honolulu and a demo day, uh, you know, in, in the Bay Area. Uh, kind of describe the differences between you know demo day taking place here and demo day taking place uh, you know uh, I guess what was it was it in Mountain View? 
Yeah, yeah, it was Mountain View. Um, I think the demo day here was very well executed. It was a fantastic event. Uh, Smooth, it was part of a um, a venture capitalist uh, event with a lot of speakers, and it sort of funneled into us pitching uh, our products. Mm-hmm. Um, the Obviously, San Francisco is a much, much larger venue in terms of where VCs are located. Um, but I, I think uh, the experience was very similar because it's the same kind of presentation. We've been honing our pitches for a long time. I Initially, um, the way I pitched, uh, I've, I've seen uh, some, some progress because they've been sort of uh, spanking me a lot for <laughs> for the my lack of skills in, in presentation. So uh, it's, it's a very funny thing. But um, yeah, I think... Well, I think the spanking. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I guess. Um, uh, but we, we are getting sort of sanded a lot to get more smooth in the way we present our product. Uh-huh. Uh, I think this, the experience itself was very similar in terms of, of, of who was there and, and who you got to talk to. But, but I think San Francisco is such a big place. So, so I mean, we, we, we also were part of, um, uh, there was a large sort of uh, event before the pitch itself. Mm-hmm. So it was a good experience. I think it was a, actually a great experience. And San Francisco is an awesome place. So. What about you, Luke? I mean, uh, how much experience had you had running around in the San Francisco crowd versus I would imagine the significantly different Honolulu crowd? Sure. Um, well, the, yeah, the answer to, to that question overall is, you know, none in, in terms of having an involvement in a startup uh, with uh, any familiarity with San Francisco. Been here 10 years in Honolulu. So this is this is home. This is where, you know, and you know, people and familiar with, um, you know, a, a decent percentage of the crowd. But the VC Summit and uh, at the end of that, um, us pitching Blue Startups and the Energy Accelerator teams. There's like 300 people, I think, you know, so you don't know who's in the room necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, the, the quality and caliber of venue, both were, were great. Uh, different feel in terms of, yeah, when you're in the Valley, it is, you know, the everybody there. It's in another accelerator where there's teams that are sitting and huddled on corners and around you're pitching while they're working on the other side of the wall. So in just terms of venue, that was different because we were at Sheraton Waikiki Right on the beach and and uh, you know Honolulu, but you're in a you know big big stage and mm-hmm. it's definitely um, that was actually probably a bigger venue to pitch to in terms of people and production quality. The one in Silicon Valley, um, more low key in terms of the the high tech production. You know we're standing on a level you know level stage with everybody and mm-hmm. you're just kind of talking. Uh, but the the actual kind of nervousness maybe before the pitch was definitely just the same. Was there the same kind of a same amount of people uh, at the Silicon Valley uh, pitch? Um, you know, if there was, I would say 150. I mean, I'm not sure, Alex, what, what number you would kind of tag it on, but it was standing room only uh, in the room for sure. And, and it, we had an event on Friday after we pitched on Wednesday, and I was chatting with a gal who ended up being a, a VC. And she was actually just con- um, commenting on how impressed she was about the um, the caliber of the pitches from the teams. And so that's really positive to hear from someone that's based in Silicon Valley that she says she sees pitches all day, every day. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. to not have her just be like going to her phone <laughs> or super bored, uh, that was really encouraging. And is that, that is that sort of testament to Shanoa and her team to bring Absolutely. the people Absolutely. into this kind of uh, oh, yeah. uh, demo day? Wow, that's great. Yeah. 
Well, Alex, so I'm curious about your thought on that. It sounds like you agree. Um, part of me always kind of likes, I, I think many of us sometimes capitalize on the novelty of being from Hawaii and expect to be a slightly different breed when we turn up in any other business community. But it sounds like when you're in a intense startup environment that you're all birds of a feather and you just completely mesh very well. Yeah, I think that's one of the, I mean, there are actually a lot of advantages and, and I would implore anybody to that have an idea and want to make it a business to apply for a program. But one of the huge advantages uh, is the mentorships. Uh, Shinoa has built up this network of mentors that are absolutely amazing. Uh, we get so much good advice from people that have a lot of real-world experience have been doing business for ages. Uh, we also have a lot of cross-pollination on the team, so we learn from each other as we sit there. And so we, we basically go in early, early morning, sit, go through meetings, and then uh, late at night, it's coding. I think I've slept average maybe four or five hours a night, and that's <laughs> it. And this is seven days a week, but it's awesome. You know, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, the mentors that uh, you had. Mm-hmm. I know I know uh, Hank Rogers was uh, Luke's mentor, but I want to get into that. Want to hold that thought? We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Luke Burgo and Alex I mean Burgo. Alex Burgo. <laughs> I knew I would mess it up. Alex Burgo. I know Alex too, and Luke Tucker and uh, and above. Of course, going through the mentor program over at Blue Stars. And we also want to prep you, our listeners, to get ready for a live demo. So you want to kind of get your computer set to livesift.com. All right. So uh, as you uh, hopefully don't cause any vehicular incidents and as you attempt to access your smartphone <laughs> or your computer, uh, we'd love to, of course, to hear from you also if you have any questions at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. This is... Bite Marks Cafe. The woman was on the ground and the bull was tossing her in the air and back on the ground. And where were you? I was right on the other side of the fence, but the fence was electric. Why is it that certain people will risk their lives for a stranger? I went ahead and just climbed through the fence. While others won't. My neighbors would not help me. That question this week on Radio Lab. Saturday morning at 10. Think about why you've listened to HPR throughout the year. It's for the times you've laughed listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me or cried listening to StoryCorps on Morning Edition. It's for the times you've needed to know about the events that change and shape our lives. You've listened all year. Contribute today for another year of Indispensable Radio. Call 955-8821 during business hours or give at hawaiipublicradio.org. And thanks. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we're talking to Alex Burgo and Luke Tucker about getting to the next phase of the startup experience. And, of course, we'll ask you about your mentor. And, of course, of course, you all can give us a call here. The number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Now, you know, we know that uh, Luke's uh, mentor is the fame you know, uh, Hank Rogers. <laughs> yeah. So who did you have as your mentor? Uh, so our lead mentor was Sean Steinmark. He's, uh, he's Oh, yeah. A, okay, we had him on our show. We had our, yeah, so he yeah. has his own show in, in California, actually. Mm-hmm. He's part of the Techstars uh, network. Uh, he's been a consultant, corporate consultant for 30-some years. And so when he saw what we were trying to build, he was one of the f- first that actually got it because we, initially we just had an idea, right? So we were just jibbing, with uh, jiving around with the idea and we are... 
our messaging were kind of poorly mm-hmm, <laughs> communicated, mm-hmm. but he got it. And he was like, yeah, I know what you're doing. Where were you guys 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Because he'd been wanting tools like this for a long time. And so, yeah, he was our lead mentor. We also have other mentors in Dan Friedman, Steve Markowitz. And the list is absolutely really long. So I implore people to go to the website, actually, and check it out at Blue Startups. Well, we're going to attempt something here on live radio uh, that I don't think has been attempted too often. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out why. (laughs) Well, for this app, it's the first time. Okay, it's the first time. So I would I would advise everybody to go to livesift.com. That's L-I-V-E-S-I-F-T.com. Yep. And if you go to that site, uh, you will be prompted with a an event um, code. Yep. And if you put the code B-Y-T-E, you will then go to the site. Hey, that's us. Yep. That's half B-Y-T-E. of B- B-Y-T-E. Livesift.com and enter B-Y-T-E. And uh, while you do that, um, Luke, uh, you know, Alex mentioned that he was told, you got to work on your pitch. You know, you just got to work on your pitch. <laughs> what was the hardest piece of advice? I mean, you know, the most uncomfortable piece of advice working through this mentorship program that you had to process to move forward. Hmm. Nobody hurt your feelings at all. Nobody hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, Ryan. Let me let me let me think. The hardest piece, like personally, yeah, like, yeah. Um, of advice. Well, I think you know, if you know, you, my mind goes to pitch practice as well. In in the way that you're. You're getting critique every every week. You know you're pitching all the time, and so for me, I I kind of have a little bit more background in, in pitching and presenting. So it's hard. I want to be perfect every time, right? And it's impossible. And your messaging changes. Uh, so that's definitely uh, some growing pains through that process in terms of. And everybody, you know, there's a term for all the uh, entrepreneurs out there. They'll probably know, especially those who have gone through Accelerator, the term mentor whiplash. Uh, you mm. have to make your own decisions. And there's a lot of really, really, really smart people that are, have been really successful. And they all, at times, have conflicting opinions. So you as the entrepreneur have to kind of make that, make that choice. It's your business. You, ha- you take ownership of it. And you, you put this, everything through a filter. And, you know, then the, the end product comes out. So you have people that come and say, oh, that's, that's terrible. That's, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and then somebody else comes along and says, like, well, that's interesting. Why don't you do this? So I think it's really kind of through your decision paradigm how you – um, how you execute and what decisions you make along that line. Yeah. Now, you know, with um, not to take anything away from Luke, but, you know, the first poll came up on LiveSIF. And if you were go if you were on LiveSIF.com, you would have seen a question. And this is basically, imagine yourself in a meeting. And we're conducting this meeting right now, live on the radio. And we're asking you in this meeting, what would you want for Christmas? Now, I already selected mine. Uh, but I think some of the choices were like a drone, a 3D printer, uh, uh, a PS, a PS4, an Xbox, Xbox uh, one, one, and of course, world peace. World peace. <laughs> now, if you were to select that, it goes into uh, Live SIF, the back end, and it's actually accumulating all the responses that are being provided. So if you now go and select your choice, uh, that will be tallied up, and then we will present the results uh, on our show notes later on tonight. But now, 
Uh, Alex, you're going to put up the next uh, yeah. question? So, so the whole idea here is that you have a meeting facilitator that drives this process. So the, this is the quantitative part of that meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre- results will then be presented in real time back to the meeting participants. So we've used this in groups up to 200 people, and it, it works really well. Uh, so the idea for us to keep the attention up in the room and not down on the devices. So now I'm starting the next question. That should change everybody's devices. Let me see. Okay. So okay. now your device should change. Okay, this, this is, is a good you. one. This is uh, so you want to rank, uh, prioritize New Year's resolutions, right? Ah, lose weight, exercise more, apply to boost blue startups. I think okay. some <laughs> of our listeners might do that. Listen to more bite marks. Okay. I'm clicking that one, yeah. Yeah. and uh, be even more excellent. So we'll see if we can get some of those live results as well. Now I have to say, and and this might be an interesting question because I think it would come up during your pitches and the Q and A. Um, you know, uh. Alex, you're looking at live analytics for events, mm-hmm. and Luke, you're looking at photos, basically, and finding ways to make compelling stories out of them. I think it's fair to say that both of these are very, very crowded spaces. I mean, uh, Luke in particular, you want to make photo stories. Well, you can type that in iTunes, for example, and probably get, I don't know, 10, 11, maybe 11 zillion results. <laughs> so... Uh, how do you even approach that? How do you even think that you're going to make an impact uh, when there's so much out there going for the same, going for the same goal? Sure. Well, I, mean, I guess in, in terms of the same goal, I, I might. Um, yeah, every startup, right? We have every CEO or whatever you can call the person. Their, their company's like, well, this is this idea is so much different, so much better, right? And, you know, we're not under any illusions that it's uh, that that that's not the case. But uh, for for us, you know, when we're looking at any startup, you have to focus on you know a product market fit, and and who you're going to go after is some some of the what we'd call low hanging fruit for customers, who you're going to talk to first, you're going to get in front of them, and, and they can actually use your product mm-hmm. to make their lives easier. You're solving some sort of problem. So for us, we we think, yeah, our competitors are photo related startups and those those type of things, but uh, we we want to differentiate ourselves in a couple ways from you know if we just narrow that market down to those that are providing any kind of audio tagging to a photo and creating that similar type of experience. Um, they're looking at it more from a social standpoint where you you as a content creator take your photos and you record something, you share it. And, hey, mm-hmm. I want everybody to like it, right? That's kind of that social validation. For Ritify, we're a little bit more passionate about your immediate family and the things, the stories that matter the most that you want to preserve and take care of. So we really think those old photos are pretty valuable. And maybe the providing an end-to-end solution for someone to say, hey, I want to be able to go, maybe I go to Ritify.com and I say, send me an envelope and I'll put my photos in and we'll scan it for you. And huh. then we provide you this great memory preservation tool for you to be able to kind of get this um, preserved. So if you, if you know, when you look at a flood happens or a hurricane and people lose their stuff, the computers, the hard drives, you can replace that. You can't replace the memories and the photos and things. So that's where we're trying to, to encourage uh, people through this activity that, you know, those old photos that are sitting neglected in that shoebox and a photo album on the coffee table, maybe there's a way that no startup's looking at providing this end-to-end solution for memory preservation. Mm-hmm. So we can just kind of hone in on that niche. And everything else, we say, hey, they're great products. We think these other companies are doing awesome things. We use them ourselves. We like them. But for this, we think we have a better solution that makes it easy 
taking all these uh, fragmented pieces and putting it in an end solution. I think also that real-world element where you're talking about an actual box of photos, I think that certainly is a differentiator. And the, the um, Bert and I are always looking about t- talking about oral histories and archiving that and, and its value. I remember there was a, a, another startup called A Thousand Memories, and it had a similar idea, but they got snapped up by Ancestry.com. So I, I, I definitely think you're in an attractive space. Mm, um, Alex, uh, how about you? Um, live polls and meeting and instant polls and TV stations do these too. Um, how are you differentiating yourself? Well, first of all, I think it's actually good that there's a lot of companies. That means that there's business here. Uh, our, the immediate addressable market for us is $10 billion. There's room for more than one uh, uh, one company in that space. In addition, we've analyzed uh, our competitors quite a lot, and they keep on trading ease of use for tool sophistication. What what uh, we're showing off here today? This is our these are kind of the simplest tools that we have. We have a lot of secret sauce that is coming up in the next few uh, weeks when we move into beta. This is our still an alpha product, um, and and the way we put it together is actually very different from anybody else in this space. No, the uh, the next poll that is uh, up on the screen for LiveSift.com is uh, which uh, ghost of Christmas is scarier? And the choices are uh, ghost of the past or ghost of the present, ghost of the future, and of course the last one is the ghost of Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, you know, and I have to say that um, experiencing this, and some of our listeners definitely are, I already see a nice pie chart on your screen. Um, it's interesting that you are able to trigger the next question. So it's not like we keep entering a different code or, okay, for question number mm-hmm. three, hit enter, right? It's, it literally um, advanced my screen whether or not I was ready, I mean, whether or not I selected on a previous screen. And right. it doesn't require SMS, so it's just, you don't have to, you know, sort of text into it. As long as you have a web connection, you're there. Yeah, yeah. and so one of the things that we're also doing is um, when we look at meetings and what's going on there and the processes, uh, often you'll see a divergence in the beginning of the meeting. Everybody have ideas. So we can do a brainstorming. We can take that information, and then you can prioritize it. Uh, and so you sort of come towards the convergence of, of decision-making. In the end, you can actually make a decision in a meeting. Mm-hmm. So um, That's cool. I, I do want to ask you, although we will have the final results on our website at bitemarkscafe.org, um, can you give us a teaser? Can you say, hey, here, live during live polling election night for Bite Marks Cafe, um, what are, what's, what's one set of results you can share? Uh, Ghost of Steve Jobs was doing pretty good. Uh, <laughs> people are afraid of him uh, at about 40%, and uh, Ghost of Future had about 45%. Uh, so I, this is next one I'm actually putting up is is a little bit more serious. This is an evaluation of uh, tech environment uh, in Hawaii. Ah, okay. So so interestingly, Alex, uh, the first few were kind of warmer, uh, sort of you know scene warmers, get mm-hmm. get you comfortable with uh, actually playing around with the poll. But the purpose of it really is to ask the audience uh, some serious questions about whatever meeting they're in or, or something that you want to find out about. Yeah. And this next one. Uh, why don't you sort of tell us what you're asking? Well, so we're asking what uh, important, uh, what factors uh, are important for the tech industry in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and so evaluate the more important um, uh, factors that that relate to developing a tech industry, which is a huge issue in Hawaii. We need a broader economy. We shouldn't be dependent on 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 tourism. And how do we go and get there? Are so we, you have a you have a sliding bar that basically lets you choose uh, the presence of accelerators, the the quality of the talent pool, mm-hmm. um, the attractiveness to investors, mm-hmm. tax credits, which certainly could be a, a controversial <laughs> question. So high speed internet. Is, what about high speed internet? 
<laughs> That's also <laughs> fair. I think I need that. Especially yeah. since uh, that was my PhD dissertation, there so you I kind go. of forced <laughs> it in there. But it has actual growth uh, mm-hmm. implications. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. So as uh, we continue to collect results here uh, in in uh, Vote Central, I want to ask you, uh, Luke um, and Alex said that they've got some really big ideas for their next push, their next uh, release. What's ahead for for your startup? What's the next big milestone you're looking forward to? Right. Well, for for us, you know, and uh, Alex had mentioned they're in alpha, you know, and if, if they're, you know, we're in alpha, we're beta or pre-alpha, whatever. Uh, we, we're not live in the app store yet, so that's obviously a big hurdle for us. And to get um, to a point that we, um, we're ready to go live in the app store. Um, so that's that's a big marketing push, too. You know, you're at, at the mercy of Apple in some ways in terms of a, as a distribution channel. So there's some different strategies we would look to um, make sure that we can do our best to be seen. And, you know, that's that's a lot of it is people, when you tell it face-to-face, they love it, they like it. How can we reach you? So that's, that's a, a lot of it is the marketing effort. So we've, we've put together kind of a phased rollout of different features, and right now our focus is um, – on testing. So there's a, a great startup with an app called Test Flight. You can, before you get in the app store, you can actually simulate that environment on other devices. Right. So you can get up to like 100. So that's in the stage we're at now. Is there a way for, I mean, I love Test Flight and I sign up for betas, definitely of locally produced apps. Yep. Is there a way to participate if I if we got in touch with you? Yeah. Ritify.com. Put in your, uh, you know, sign up for your username and email and we can get you it's it's a, there's a few steps. It's great that you're familiar with Test Flight. So users that have that, we find the onboarding processes much quicker and much easier. Uh, we have uh, that. That's a big push for us now. So right. anybody can go on to ritify.com and sign up, and we'll we'll get in touch with you. Sounds play. <laughs> and uh, you know, if uh, people want to find out more about uh, what's happening, you know, with uh, Live Sif, where can they go? Uh, they can go to livesif.com. Uh, send me an email at alex at livesif.com or contact at livesif.com or Twitter at livesif. Uh. In a couple seconds that we have, I just want to ask you, Alex and Luke. I mean, like. If you were to be asked to move to the mainland because the money is there, what would you do? That's actually a hard question. Okay, well, to answer it in two words or less. <laughs> I would leave half my stuff here. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Good one. Yes for half the year. Ooh. So there so there go. is there is a strong commitment to try to retain your ties to Hawaii. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I think there is a strong draw, though, that's going to probably at some point in time – uh, influence you to perhaps consider moving. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people leave and come back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a common thing. So there's that's nothing good. wrong with that. Well, we hope that uh, you keep us posted. And of course, we will continue to follow the various companies in the Blue Startups uh, program. Yeah. And uh, let us know when anything major happens and we'll definitely share it on the show. Alex Burgo is the co-founder of LiveSif and Luke Tucker is the CEO of Ritify. We want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for thank having you, gentlemen. us. Aloha. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when HPR2 will air a special Christmas program. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarkscafe.org. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And I'm at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chung, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Uh, Here's a band called Tears for Fears and a song called Goodnight Song. And, of course, you all enjoy Christmas next week. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.